ברוך אתה אדוני אלוהינו מלך העולם אשר קדישנו במצותיו וציוונו לעסוך בדברי תורה והרבנה אדוני אלוהינו את דברי תורתך בפינו ובפי עמך בית ישראל ונהיה אנחנו וצאצאינו וצאצאי עמך בית ישראל כולנו יודה שמך ולא מודה תורתך לשמה ברוך אתה אדוני המלמד תורה לעמו ישראל. And now for the bracha for Tehillim. May it be your will, O Adonai our God and the God of our forefathers, who chooses his servant David and his offspring after him, and who chooses songs and praises, that you turn with mercy to the reading of the Psalms of Tehillim that I shall read, as if King David of blessed memory himself had said them. May his merit protect us. May the merit of the verses of Tehillim and the merit of their words, letters, vows, and cantillations, as well as divine names formed by acronyms of the initial and final letters, stand us in good stead to atone for our transgressions, iniquities, and sins, to cut down tyrants, and to cut off all the thorns and briars that surround the supernal rose, to unite the bride of youth with her beloved with love, brotherhood, and fellowship. And from that unification, may abundant sustenance be drawn to our spirit, breath, and soul to purify us of our iniquities, forgive our sins, and atone for our transgressions. Just as you forgave David who said these psalms before you, as it says, Adonai has removed your sin, you will not die. May you not take us from this world before our time, before the completion of our years, which number seventy, so that we may repair that which we have ruined. May the merit of King David of blessed memory shield over us and around us, that you be patient with us until we return to you in complete repentance. May you favor us from your treasury of gratuitous gifts, as it is written, I favor those whom I favor, and I am merciful with those upon whom I take mercy. And just as we sing before you in this world, so may we merit, O Adonai our God, to sing songs and praises before you and the world to come. And through the saying of the Tehillim, may the tulip of Sharon be inspired to sing with a sweet voice, with happiness and with joy. May the glory of the Lebanon be given to her, majesty and splendor in the house of Adonai our God, speedily in our days. Amen. Selah. Lechunera nena le Adonai naria le tzurishenu Nekada mafanav betoda bizmirot naria lo Ki el gadol Adonai umelekadol akol Elohim Alright, so let's get to the Tehillim of the Parsha. So this week's Parsha is Parsha Vayeshev. And the Tehillim corresponding to that parsha is Tehillim 1.12. So, I'm going to read this introduction from the Tehillim Art Scroll uh, to Tanakh series Tehillim. So, this says, <clears throat> The preceding psalm concluded with the words, The beginning of wisdom is the fear of Hashem, verse 10. The composition takes up that theme with the declaration, Praiseworthy is the man who fears Hashem and proceeds to describe that good fortune. The Midrash Kohelet Rabbah observes that fear of God is so important that King Solomon, the wisest of all men, concluded two of his books with this very theme. Grace is false and beauty is vain. A God-fearing woman, she should be praised. 
Proverbs 31.21 And the sum of the matter, when all has been considered, fear God and keep his commandments, for that is man's whole duty. Ecclesiastes 12.13 The initial letters of the stitches of this psalm follow the sequence of the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. This indicates that the hero of this psalm, the God-fearing man, painstakingly fulfills every dictate of the Torah from Aleph, the first letter, to Tav, the last letter of the law. Midrash Shokertov. So, I want to point out that this Tehillim, like the introduction said, begins with the letter Aleph and in, with the letter Tav. Uh, well, shouldn't say begins with the letter Aleph, but I should say it has 22 verses Aleph to Tav. And so there is a lot in this Tehillim. So let's read the Tehillim. Hallelujah. Praiseworthy is the man who fears Adonai, who greatly desires his commandments. Mighty in the land will his offspring be, a generation of the upright who shall be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his charity endures forever. Even in darkness a light shines for the upright. He is compassionate, merciful, and righteous. Good is the man who, who is compassionate and lends. He conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never falter. An everlasting remembrance will the righteous man remain. Of evil tidings he will have no fear. His heart is firm, confident in Adonai. His heart is steadfast. He shall not fear before he sees judgment upon his tormentors. He gave a distribution to the destitute. His charity endures forever. His pride is exalted with glory. The wicked man shall, shall see and be angered. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The ambition of the wicked shall perish. All right. So, before I get into this, the meat of this, I just want to point out here like the introduction said this whole thing is a 22 letter from Aleph to Tav um, Tehillim or Tehila. and so the Midrash of the Tehillim ascribes this to Avraham uh, as the man who is praiseworthy who fears Hashem and says here this is uh, the Kehot Tehillim, Big Green Book, um, 229b. It says, Avraham and Sarah. Avraham fulfilled the entire Torah from Aleph to Tav. He is therefore praised with this psalm, which is composed according to the Hebrew Alephbet from Aleph to Tav. The song, Eshet Chayil, Woman of Valor, Proverbs 31 which is also composed according to the alphabet, alludes to Abraham's wife, Sarah, who likewise fulfilled the Torah from Aleph to Tav, Midrash to Helene. So I just want to point out that <clears throat> it is a custom to bless your wife with uh, Proverbs 31 on Erev Shabbat. And likewise, the women, should they choose to, can also bless their husbands with this Tehillim. Among other Tehillim that are also recited, I think uh, my wife Tirsa, she uses uh, Tehillim 128. Um, so 
like I said, it's custom, not a requirement, but just throwing that out there just as a, uh, as just an aside. It says, loving mitzvot. So, picking up on the verse where it says, desires his commandments immensely, be mitzvotav chafet me'od. Says Rabbi Eliezer taught his desire is for the mitzvot themselves, not the reward one receives for fulfilling them. As we read in Avot 1 3, be not as servants who serve the master on the condition that they receive reward, rather be like servants who serve the master even on the condition that they will not receive reward. Such a person serves his creator out of love for him and his commandments. He is therefore willing to serve him regardless of whether or not he will receive reward. Abu Dazara 19a and Rashi there. Also, the Tosafot explain. This is the footnote down here at the bottom on the page of 229b of the Green Book. It says Tosafot explains on the condition that they will receive reward to mean that even if he was initially motivated by the expected reward for the mitzvah, he would not regret having done it, even if he does not receive the reward in the end, meaning. Let's say, uh, you know, we go do a mitzvah, uh, prayer. We go do the mitzvah of prayer. Our prayers aren't answered. And even though we prayed um, and we didn't receive whatever we asked for um, during the prayer, we take that. We don't say, oh, you know, man, why did, why did I, I don't even know why I pray, you know. When we do that is when we forsake the mitzvah of prayer. And so we don't want to be people who forsake mitzvot at all. And that's what they're bringing down is that even if we do the mitzvah and we don't receive the reward for it, we shouldn't regret the mitzvah itself. <clears throat> and so also it says performing mitzvot with joy, which I think is very, very big, uh, a big key here uh, with all the mitzvot. Um, in general, because you know, there is a verse in Devarim that says, you know, uh, that all the curses that we receive from the Torah are not because we didn't perform mitzvot, it's because we did not perform the mitzvot with joy. And at the moment, I do not have that reference in front of me because I didn't know I was going to bring that bring that up. But it, there is a verse in Deuteronomy. It says, because we did not serve Hashem with joy, because the juxtaposition of that is that when we danced around the golden calf, we did that with joy. And so when we perform mitzvot without joy, that's not good, because Hashem always thinks about the golden calf and how we did that with joy. So we always want to perform mitzvot with joy. And what they bring down here in the Big Green Book from the Midrash talks about Avraham who was known for his fear of God and his commitment to the mitzvot, all the mitzvot Genesis 22.12 and 26.5 says he did the mitzvot not as one forced by a king but with joy he desired his commandments immensely when God commanded him to leave his birthplace he did so with joy when he was commanded to circumcise his, himself he did not procrastinate and did the mitzvah on that very day likewise when God commanded him to circumcise circumcised Yitzhak, he did so with celebration and a feast, which is a lesson for all of us to perform the circumcision of our sons amid joy and celebration. 
Midrash Tehillim. Also on the first verse, it says, Rabbi Eliezer Rokeach of Worms. This is from the Tehillim Archgirl Tanakh series. Note, Rabbi Eliezer Rokeach of Worms notes that this man is not called Yira Elohim, one who fears Elohim, the dispenser of strict judgment, justice. Rather, he is called Yira Hashem, one who fears Hashem, the dispenser of kindness. It says, this teaches that the righteous man's fear of God is not derived from the knowledge that God can punish him, but from the realization that God loves him. In return, he loves God and greatly desires his commandments. This man has but one fear. This is the only thing this man fears. That he may sin and destroy the intimate relationship which he enjoys with God. And so, I kind of want to jump, migrate to the Tehillim Tanakh series. Because there's a lot of commentary in this. And highly suggest um, anyone to get this Tehillim series. Um, I know Rabbi Mordecai Griffin has it on his shelf and the many others among the uh, synagogue at Sar Shalom have it. Um, it's a great, great um, study for the Tehillim. And it basically breaks down each verse with commentary and each phrase with commentary. Most most of the time, there's been, there's usually not a time where I open this up and there's not any commentary on a verse. It's very rare. Um, so I'm gonna jump over to verse two. Mighty in the land will his offspring be. It says the man who sincerely fears God will be feared and respected by his fellow men in the same way that they fear a mighty warrior. Moreover, the father will pass on his power and prestige to his children, as the Mishnah Idiot Idut two nine teaches a father be bequeaths five things to his son beauty, strength, wealth, wisdom, and longevity. <clears throat> and I also want to key in on this phrase wealth and riches are in his house house. So it says and his charity or his righteousness endures forever. So Toxic goes into this and says, the Talmud, Ketubot 50a, describes two cases which epitomize the lesson of this verse. The first example is the man who studies Torah himself and teaches it to others. He retains the wealth of his Torah knowledge in his own house while his charity to others endure forever. The second is the man who writes scrolls of the scriptures and lends, them, lends these to others. The scrolls remain his personal property, and he performs an act of charity which endures forever. So, this is very, very key that what what the Tehillim is saying what wealth and riches are. Now, this could be taken literally, but it's saying here that Torah study and teaching it to others is wealth and is the wealth of his Torah knowledge in his own house and his charity that he does for others endures forever. That's one way to understand the verse. And the second is basically a, a sofer who writes the Holy, the Holy script scriptures lends these to others so that they themselves can, um, study and, and gain more to it. And 
And I kind of like that because, you know, he writes it and he's, he's lending it out to these people, but they remain his. And so because he's, he's doing such an holy, a holy act to bring others to the study of Torah, this is what endures forever. So just the fact of bringing others to Torah knowledge is what endures forever is what basically is what it says here. Um, I want to jump back over to the big green book and pick back up with verse three. Again, wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. It says here, so taking this a step further on what we just read on bringing people to the study of Torah, says the Zohar 2.128, according to this, these verses, they refer to the Zadikim, the righteous ones, who takes the hands of sinners and brings them to the path of righteousness. Wow. Say a lot on that. And then 112.4, it says, Even in darkness, light shines for the upright, compassionate, merciful, and just. It says, God himself becomes the light for the upright, as in the verse, God is my light, Tehillim 27.1. And this is what Rashi says there. And so I want to pick up on that, because the, the, the reading of this verse is actually, Zerach Bechoshech Ord. Yesharim, the upright, right? And then Chanun Varachum Vizadik, compassionate, merciful, and just. These are all three words to describe Hashem Himself. And so this is what they're saying, this is what they're bringing down here. But the word Zerach, which is the word for, that they're using for light here, juxtaposed to Bechoshech. Uh, is very interesting because Zerach is actually one of the sons of Yehuda, and so obviously there's a connection here to Mashiach. And if you take that, what it just says, it says God is the light, and then it says over here. So I'm putting two and two together because I'm bouncing back and forth. It says even in darkness a light shines for the upright. It says, troubles are described as darkness. Hoshek. Hashem's salvation is a light. As Micah 7, 8 states, when I sit in darkness, Hashem shall be a light to me. Ibn Ezra and Radak. So, automatically we see a connection to Yeshua that they're referring to him here as the light. But it's just interesting to me that here they're... They use the word Zerach as light and not Or. Um, or to talk about that, right? And just to bring just to bring out that it may be that it's referring to Mashiach bin David, which we know Mashiach bin David and Mashiach bin Yosef are one. Uh, and it's just amazing that they say Literally, it says Hashem's Yeshua is a light, as Micah 7, 8 states. So, yep, there's that. 
Which Zerok means to shine, by the way. Or it's it's light shines. So that's why it's, that's why it's translated or Zerak Behoshek or so the literal translation if you were to translate this like kinda out of it'd be out of order in English, but it'd be shines in the darkness light. So So just kinda putting putting that together. Um as far as what is shining and just just I thought it was interesting that it's literally that's one of the sons of Yehuda. So you got Zerach and Perez. Uh Zerach was one of the the one that came um from the offspring of Tamar. Okay. Okay. So he is compassionate, merciful, and just or righteous. Vezadik. Kanum Vedachum Vezadik. He's compassionate, merciful, and righteous. God is compassionate to those who pray and beg for compassion. So this is why he's called compassionate, because he's compassionate to those who beg and pray. It says he is merciful to those who, who are poor and ignorant souls who cannot pray. And, uh, and he is righteous in that he gives each man the portion he, de he portion he deserves. So if we ever, first of all, I just kind of want to say, you know, it says that when it says the ignorant souls who cannot pray, Baruch Hashem, that we can pray. And even though our prayers, maybe sometimes our prayers, um, aren't necessarily perfect Hashem is still merciful to that you know Baruch Hashem and now I'm jumping to verse 5 uh, good is the man who is compassionate and lends and this comes from the Midrash Shemot Rabbah 31.16 and it states here it says the Midrash emphasizes that lending and borrowing are an integral part of the world order no creature is self-sufficient each must derive some help from another creature in order to survive and function properly and it says another midras shemot rabbah 31 1 says that this verse describes the holy one blessed seed to whom every creature is deeply indebted for god granted it the gifts of life and sustenance but instead of paying their debt to God, many people ang anger God with disobedience and sin. Nevertheless, he remains compassionate. He forgives their sins and lends them additional years of life and sustenance. Amen. May it be so in our lives. Hashem, help us to be people who make quick teshuva and return to you wholeheartedly. Um, and may you not take us before we return to you wholeheartedly. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. And it says he conducts his affairs with justice. So it says the generous man may appear to be reckless with his money because he lends out readily, but this is not the case. 
Fee's extremely careful and scrupulous with his personal finance, financial dealings. Since this prudent, prudence stems from the realization that money is not his own, for he is merely a trustee from the disbursement of God's funds. This reminds me of a, a bat mitzvah that was had at Sar Shalom, uh, where the woman said that everything is on loan. And that is so true. That is so, so true. And we see that here. When you really uh, believe that, Hashem trusts you for the disbursement of God's funds, because that's the rest of what I'm reading here. And it says, Thus, once the God fearing man understands that he must be compassionate and lend, he also realizes that he must conduct his private affairs with justice. Now, what does that mean, you know, with justice? So, in enter the Talmud. Chulin 84b advises that man should always spend less than his means on food and drink and clothe himself in accordance with his means. However, he should provide for his wife and children in a dignified manner, even if this exceeds his means. For they are dependent upon their husband and father, but he himself is dependent solely on God. He who spoke and the world came into being. Uh, the Marhasha the explains that a man should be willing to subsist on bare essentials and conduct his affairs with justice. However, he should be prepared to be compassionate to his family and even to borrow, if necessary, to clothe and maintain his kin with dignity. So, I think it's interesting that when it comes to uh, ourselves as men, we should do what is in our means to do. But when it comes to our wife and children, we should we should go beyond even even our means. Even if it means to exceed what we have, we should go and borrow from someone to provide for our wife and children. Baruch Hashem. So, Kulin 84b is where that comes from. <clears throat> and it says, Surely he will never falter. This means that this is basically based on from here uh, in the Archroll Tanakh series, Tehillim. Surely he will never falter. The char charitable man will always remain physically healthy and financially secure. He will suffer no loss. It says, see Psalm 15, which describes the man who is scrupulous in his dealings with his fellow man. The song, that psalm concludes with verses 5 and 6, who lends not his money to interest. Whoever does these shall forever not falter. That's the concluding verses of Psalm 15 there. The Talmud says, Bava Metzia 71a, that this implies that whoever does lend his money at interest will falter financially and ultimately will lose all of his money forever, i.e. he will never recoup his losses. So, surely he will never falter if you don't Lend your money at interest, and you will be sure not to falter. And then I thought this was cool because I always hear the phrase uh, the of, of blessed memory, right? That's the phrase, you know, when someone when someone we know um, has passed away, and their memory is a blessing to us. We say we say may. 
you know, the, of blessed memory when we refer to the, the, the deceased person. And so this actually comes from from here, or or as at least referred to here, it says, an everlasting remembrance where the righteous remain. And they quote uh, Proverbs 10.7, it says, Zacher Zadik Livracha, the memory of the righteous is a blessing, Yoma 38b. It says, every time people mention his name, they will bless the righteous man, as it is said in Proverbs 10.7. And I kind of want to just jump to this last thing here because I think this is what um, Hashem is bringing down in this Tehillim and what is actually being said um, about the man who who fears Hashem. So I want to go to his righteousness endures forever. Now, talked about earlier about how this refers to Torah study and not only only your Torah study but teaching Torah to somebody someone else um, so I'm jumping over to uh, I think this is verse 9 it says his charity endures forever his pride is exalted with the glory so on the verse on this on the phrase his charity endures forever this is the Zohar Parashat Beha Aloteka explains that whenever a man gives charity and assures a poor man a living, this act strengthens the Etz Ha-Chaim, the tree of life. As a result, the tree of life then protects the philanthropists and adds vitality and joy to his life. And so I want to read the footnote on this because this is where it gets really good. And so the footnote here says, it says, all depends, this is see Avot 3.15, all depends on the frequency of action. Rambam comments that a small action repeated often forms a strong habit, whereas a major act performed but once leaves no lasting trace on one's personality. So, like, um, once saved, always saved, yeah. Like, we got to get continually saved all the time. Um says, if a man gives a pauper a single present of 1,000 gold pieces, this act will not make the donor a generous person. But if a man gives one gold coin apiece to 1,000 paupers, he repeatedly stirs his heart to compassion and generosity, then the quality of generosity will become well-rooted in his character. And it goes on to say, Maseket Kala, which is, I believe it's a... Uh, tractate in the Talmud Rushlami. It doesn't specify here, but I'm going to just go with that uh, for 200. It says, Maseke Kala relates that Rabbi Tarfon was a very wealthy man, but he did not give charity in proportion to his means. Once Rabbi Akiva asked him, would you like me to buy you a city, a city or two? Rabbi Tarfon eagerly accepted the offer and gave Rabbi Akiva 40,000 gold coins which Rabbi Akiva immediately divided among the poor. After a while, Rabbi Tarfon met Rabbi Akiva again and asked, Where are the cities you purchased with my gold coins? Rabbi Akiva then took Rabbi Tarfon to the study hall, where they found a young boy learning from the book of Tehillim. They all recited together from the, ne- from the text until they arrived at the verse, 
He gave a distribution to the destitute. His charity endures forever. Rabbi Akiva exclaimed, This mitzvah is the enduring permanent city which I purchased for you. Rabbi Tarfon rose and kissed Rabbi Akiva, exclaiming, My rabbi, my guide, my rabbi in wisdom, my guide in proper conduct. Rabbi Tarfon then gave Rabbi Akiva an additional sum of money to distribute among the poor. Okay, so, first of all, that whole story is amazing for two for two reasons one it it put it really puts a highlight on the value of of what how a how a sham sees or how we should see people that there are cities you know rabbi akiva there's another thing that rabbi akiva says um that he was in the study hall and uh, forgive me I, I do not know uh, the actual source text for this but there's a story about Rabbi Akiva that he was in the study hall and his students were, were falling asleep and he says to them Esther was was made queen over 127 provinces because Sarah lived for 127 years and his students immediately woke up and were like what? <laughs> And he goes on to explain that the years of a person are like are like like he basically says uh, and I'm kind of paraphrasing. So I'm gonna I'm, forgive me. I'm gonna mess this up, uh, but Rashem, I will get the point across. But he says a day is like is like a field, and a week is like a small town, and a year is like a major city. And so, you know. He was basically putting the the big highlight on, you know, what are we doing with our time? You know, what are we doing with our days? What are we doing with our years? And it's interesting to me that here again, he's he's taking the same the same analogy here. It says it says Rabbi Tarfon met Rabbi Akiva again and asked, "Where are the cities which you purchased with my gold coins?" And then he proceeds to take him to the study hall where they found a young boy learning from the Tehillim. And he says, "Look, this is this is the city. This young boy reciting the Tehillim is the city I purchased for you. I gave him money so that he can go and and sit in the study hall and study Torah because you you provided him the sustenance to do so." <laughs> and so to me it's just amazing how like I wow, it's just that's just incredible that that we should look at people as as cities, as a whole city, you know, or, or or even a whole world, as 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 it said another in another place, as rabbis bring down in the Aliyah day. Um, I don't know, just the value of people, and bringing them closer to Hashem and closer to, to His Torah, and this is what it means: His charity. Or righteousness endures forever, and you you add that to the fact that when you do this, this act strengthens the tree of life, and as a result, it protects you and adds vitality and joy to your life. That's what it says in the Zohar. This is what I'm reading here in front of me now, and so I'm gonna just just wrap it up 
with the end of this because the last verse is the wicked man shall see and be angered he will gnash his teeth and melt away the ambition of the wicked shall perish okay so it says the wicked man shall see and be angered it says the wicked man dedicated his life to the pursuit of avarice he sought to amass wealth in order to gain the power to dominate and exploit people when the wicked man observes the success of the God-fearing man, he is infuriated because the pious man's way of life repudiates everything the, the wicked man prizes. The pious man distributed freely and gave to the needy, yet his pride is exalted with glory. This fact demonstrates that giving rather than taking, taking strengthened the God-fearing man. So, we see here that when we try to hang on to the things that Hashem has entrusted us to, and we don't distribute um, where Hashem has allotted that already to be distributed, you know, then then that makes us that makes us wicked if we if we want to take and not give. If we're just take take taking and never giving, that's not good because we need to engender. And I'm speaking. To myself here, but just to engender a a giving spirit, um, and just to give give constantly, you know. So it says he will gnash his teeth and melt away. It says that the wicked man could destroy the pious one; he would do so without hesitation. Radak. But he will never realize this desire. His heart will grow faint and melt away because his desire to harm the righteous remains unfulfilled. So for now. And yet again, here's another story from Rabbi Akiva. It says, this is Pesachim 49b. Describes that ignorant people of older times who refused to accept the teachings of the rabbis, yet were jealous of their Torah knowledge. These coarse people were bitter and frustrated and invariably rejected the rabbi's offer, rabbi's offers to teach them. Rabbi Akiva testified, Before I studied Torah, I was an ignoramus who used to say, Who would put a Torah scholar into my clutches so that I can bite him as a donkey bites? Rabbi's, rabbi Akiva's disciples asked him, Why do you compare your proposed bite to that of a donkey and not to that of a more common dog. Rabbi Akiva replied, the dog bites only into the flesh but breaks no bones. The donkey, the donkey's bite is far more powerful. It crushes the bones as it tears the flesh. So, the power of Torah, it made Rabbi Akiva Rabbi Akiva and he did not want to bite the rabbis anymore. <laughs> so, bring people to Torah and they won't want to bite the rabbis, <laughs> according to Pesachim 49b. It'll probably make them a rabbi. The ambition of the wicked shall perish. The wicked are obsessed with one overriding ambition. They yearn to see the downfall of the righteous. This ambition will come to naught because the wicked themselves will perish and the righteous will prosper. So, Baruch Hashem, I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, and with that, I'm going to say the closing bracha for reading Tehillim. And...
Shem. So this is the prayer after reciting Tehillim. It says, May it be your will, Adonai our God and the God of our forefathers, that in the merit of the Tehillim that we have recited before you, and in the merit of their verses, and in the merit of their words, and in the merit of your divine names that are holy and that are pure and that emanate from them, that you grant atonement to us for all of our transgressions, pardon us for all our iniquities, and forgive us all our willful sins, that we have transgressed, that we have been iniquitous, and that we have sinned before you. Return us in repentance that is complete before you. Guide us in your service and open our hearts to the study of your Torah. Send a healing that is complete to the sick people of your nation. Proclaim for the captives liberty and for those in prison released from bondage. For all who walk the roads and voyagers over the seas and rivers who are of your people Israel, rescue them from any pain and injury and bring them to the destination they desire for life and for shalom. May you remember all who are childish to grant them children who are healthy to serve you and to fear you. The pregnant women of your nation, the family of Israel, protect that they not miscarry their babies. And those now found upon the birthstool with your mercy that is abundant, protect them from all evil. And for the nursing mothers, cause that they not lack milk in their breasts and let not hold sway diphtheria nor demons nor all forms of evil spirits, evil spirits and occurrences of evil over any children of your people or the family of Israel. Raise them to your Torah to study the Torah for its own sake. Protect them from the evil eye, from pestilence, from plague, from the Satan, from the evil inclination. Nullify the threats against us and your entire nation, the family of Israel, wherever they are, of all decrees that are harsh and evil. Sway the, the hearts of the government regarding us for the good that they may decree upon us, laws that are favorable. Dispatch blessing and success upon all the work of our hands. Prepare our livelihood from your hand that is full open, holy, and generous, and let them not be forced to rely your people, Israel, upon another nor upon another nation. Give every single person an ample livelihood and grant every single body enough to satisfy whatever it lacks. Speedily hurry to redeem us and build our holy temple and our splendor. Assist us, O God of our salvation, for the sake of the glory of your name. Rescue us and grant atonement for our sins, for the sake of your name. Bless is Adonai forever. Amen. Amen.